Thomas, for anybody who doesn't know me, and we are going to be opening up the Bible uh, this morning. We're going to be looking at Matthew 5, verse 13 to 16, and dotting through another couple of passages as well. Uh, let me pray before we do that. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for every person here this morning. We thank you that this is a living word, and we are to hunger after it, that we are to eat it up, that we are to receive it. And I pray, Lord, that, that you would just speak to us this morning, that your spirit would be, be with us as we unpack, as we share. We open our hearts, Lord. We open our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So Matthew 5, 13 to 16, this is Jesus speaking. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Amen. Jesus' teachings here from the Sermon on the Mount uh, call us to be salt and light, to bring a certain flavoring wherever we go, to bring light to the places that we go after we leave here, our Monday mornings, our weeks ahead. Uh, a number of weeks ago, it might have been four or five weeks ago, we started a series called The Battle to Be Salt and Light, or The Fight to Be Salt and Light. And last time we looked at being servant-hearted, to uh, fight consumerism. And you can catch up with that on our podcast if you missed it, or perhaps you were serving on that Sunday. But the, the heart behind this series is that out there, it's hard. As Pete alluded to with the pit stop of the, the life group in the middle of the week, it is hard. It's a battle. It can be a battle to be Jesus-like. It can be a battle to shine. It can be a battle to bring God flavors out there. We are in a battle. But when we are more salt and light in the everyday, we can often find moments of opportunity. We can often find moments of breakthrough. We can often find moments where God can do and does do the most amazing things. And we want to explore what areas we feel this battle is more acute. And uh, what areas, if we would hear the Lord speak, would we see some changes? Would we see some breakthroughs in our lives? So that's what we're going to be doing. And we're looking at be generous, fight stinginess. Be generous, fight stinginess. Now, stinginess is the opposite of generous. I was trying to think as I was preparing. I was like, Mary, what is the opposite of generous? And she just shouted, stingy, stingy. It's on the money. It's stinginess. And I believe in being salt and light to this region, to Inverness, to the, the Highlands, our generosity has a massive part to play. So that's where we're going for today's talk. That's what we're going to look at. And we're going to be jumping around several passages in the Bible with what I'm sharing. And although when we think of that, we think it includes our money, and it does include our money, try to think of it as much more than that. Our time, our resources, what's in our hands, our skills, our abilities, how God has made us, our whole being. 
And you know, as we look at this topic, I am so encouraged. I am so encouraged that we are blessed with the most incredibly generous people as part of our church family uh, as we teach this. And uh, my heart's glad as we look at this topic. But I pray that the Holy Spirit continues to speak, continues to stir, and that this gift grows in us as a church family, as individuals. So the first thing I want to look at this morning is that generosity can often come through a whisper. Both the Bible and history are full of stories of individuals achieving amazing things in response to prompts from God. Now, these prompts, as you look through, are often very rarely loud and often very subtle. Like a whisper, they're very precious and they're often very easy to miss. And we find in the Bible lots of examples of whispering uh, being sinful in human terms. There's lots in the book of Proverbs around that from a human perspective. But we see a couple examples in God's Word of God whispers and reassurance to us, to humans. We see Jesus in Matthew 10 to the disciples, what I tell you in the dark, speak in the daylight. What is whispered in your ear, proclaim from the roofs. We see the Lord to the prophet Elijah in the Old Testament, who was used by God to direct God's people back to him. We read in 1 Kings 19, the Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord wasn't in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, the Lord wasn't in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And the Lord was in the whisper. We also see a whisper, a whisper as a display of God's love. In the Psalms, we read in Psalm 107, he stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. We see a few examples there of God using a whisper. I remember a number of years ago being part of an alpha course, helping out, and we were all assigned tables with some leaders uh, to help welcome the guests. And I was with this guy in our church, it was... Uh, maybe about eight years ago, nine, eight, nine years ago when we were in Aberdeen. And he was a seasoned leader, you know. He'd been around church for a while. And he'd been a pastor, but he was now being back to being a fisherman. So he was back to the Northeast to continue his role before as a fisherman in the North Sea. Anyway, we're in the rest, this restaurant for the course. And we're getting soup and puddings before the course, which is great. That's my kind of alpha course. And we got to know the serving team who were hosting us. So each week, as we'd done the course, there was two ladies who were hosting us. And they were brilliant. We got to know their lives. We got to know uh, what was going on in their weeks. They, were, they felt like friends at the end of the, the 10 weeks or so of the course. And it got to the last night, and we'd built up such a rapport with these uh, ladies who were working at this restaurant. And we also found out for one of the ladies, uh, it was her last shift. It was literally her last shift working in this job. She was moving to another job. And this man, George, who was on my team, uh, my, another leader in the, the host table, he comes over, he stretches over the table and he whispers to me, we should do something to thank these ladies. After everything they've done, we should do something to thank them. Let's do a whip around. 
Let's go around all the tables and we'll see if we can give this lady a gift. And I'm uh, not so sure. <laughs> I'll be honest. I'm like, well, I've already got these ladies some flowers. We've uh, got them a card. I was also thinking we're going to ask our guests. So some of these people are journeying, never set foot in church. And we're going to ask them for some money for a lady that they hardly know who's just been serving them some soup and puddings. Anyway, I said, okay, let's do it, let's do it. George works the room and lets them know discreetly what we're planning during a little break in the session. And then during the break, people start leaving. And I'm like, oh, no, here we go. The Alpha course is doomed. We're not going to see these people again. But what I didn't know was that these people, who we'd only known seven, eight weeks, had been going to an ATM. So they're all rushing out, getting their wallets, and I seen the queue of them as I looked out the window at the ATM, ready to get cash for these two ladies. We get to the end of the evening, and some of the other team present the flowers and the cards, and then this overflowing dish of 10s and 20s to these two ladies who had served us. And in that moment, it felt like just something of heaven falling. It was nothing to do with the Alpha course and all the subjects. It was like that was the most profound moment we had and people discovering and learning about Jesus. The two ladies burst out crying at the amount given. And being an ex-banker, my estimate <laughs> was there was a good couple of hundred pounds in there. There was a good couple of hundred pounds in there. Just awesome. An absolute taste of heaven. The atmosphere in the room just shifted. It was a salt and light moment. I'm getting goose pimples speaking about it. And Jesus used everyone in that room at that moment. And whilst the wee presentation was being made, George then stretched over again, and I was like, oh no, what's he going to ask now? And he whispered to me, and I'll never forget it, Thomas, many people think the church is alpha stingy. Jesus wants us to draw people to him through generosity. It softens hearts, it opens ears, and it gives them an opportunity to encounter his presence absolute gold. Absolute gold. And it's our desire as Inverness Vineyard Church that we're built on moments like that. And also that it's not only as a collective, but as individuals as we go about our lives, as we leave here. And it's a battle cry that into our everyday, into our coming and going, that we carry that. And I was, as I was thinking more about it in my life, it often comes in the whisper. Think about, I think about my granny speaking to my mum. Oh, give him another sweet. Go on. He can have another one. We'll get him another bit of ice cream. Or the Holy Spirit uh, prompting me. I remember once in a youth group, I had this bright orange Adidas tracksuit top. I was in my early 20s, and this guy, uh, this young lad, 15 or 16, came up to me. He says, Thomas. I see him every week, chat to him. He said, Thomas, I love your tracksuit top. And I just felt at that moment, I have to give him my tracksuit top. And so I said, do you want it? So he ends up with this over, he looked like Tom Hanks and big. You know, it probably fits him now. It was over 10 years ago. But he walks away with this tracksuit top. Do you remember it, Mary? Just couldn't see his hands. That smile, just beaming. I remember that whisper from the Holy Spirit. Think of the Holy Spirit when maybe you're chatting to someone and he's whispering, you should make them dinner. Think of the Holy Spirit when you're passing somebody begging, you should sit and have a chat with them. Think of the Holy Spirit when someone shares their washing machine is bust. You have the money to go and give them a, a new one. 
or when someone's been placed on your heart who's struggling, you should go and give them an hour. Go and take them out. Go and spend time with them. It's in the whisper. And we have a choice with a whisper, don't we? We have a choice. We can pretend we don't hear it. Oh, what's that? Oh, did you hear something? No, no. Or we can play Chinese whispers and change it into something manageable. Something that we, is just okay. Or we can say yes. I wonder if we were to say yes to the invitations into generosity that the Father has for us. Into the whispers as we go out into our weeks. The people that we meet. What could change? In us, but also around us. So generosity often comes as a whisper. Are we listening? What is the Father saying to each of us right now in this moment? Where is he inviting us to fight stinginess? So that's the first thing. And then secondly, generosity is to be practiced through an eternal lens. Many of you will have heard of John D. Rockefeller, American business magnate, who was one of the wealthiest men who ever lived. It's estimated in today's money he was worth $24 billion. After he passed away, someone asked his accountant, how much money did he leave? And the accountant answered, all of it. <laughs> he left all of it. You can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. You can't take it with you. Jesus shares in Matthew 6, verse 19, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is eager for each and every one of us who know and love him to play the long game to play the long game, to be freed up from the act of storing up stuff here. It can be great to store up. Storing up can be a great thing if we have an eternal lens to view and live through and look to heaven with it. We play the long game. We look ahead to eternity and all that is to come. We look at building a different kind of treasure. We invest in what has lasting value. As Jesus follows, we are called to be generous in the lasting value kind of things. With our time, with our money, with our resources. I wonder, are we investing our time well? Are we wasting it? Time is so precious, isn't it? Time is so precious. I'm aware of that just now with three little boys who are growing up quicker than you can imagine. I have little moments in the most mundane, everyday things and I just go, oh, time is precious. Time is precious. With an eternal lens, how often are we using time up with things that don't matter this side of heaven? What if with an eternal lens, playing the long game, we could capture some of that and put it to use better? With the gift and skills that God has gifted each and every single one of us, are we investing it well? Are we putting it to work? Are we being stingy with it? With our money, are we filling up our lives with stuff? Are we heaping our security on earthly treasures for security and satisfaction? Or are we generous in sending it on ahead? Do we struggle with it? Are our feet firmly planted this side of heaven that we need a kingdom perspective and we struggle to let go? 
maybe a couple of us, maybe a few of us carry a level of anxiety just over the earthly stuff. I mean, it, it, it's, it's our security. And you know, our culture is very directed towards self right now in this cultural moment. And self-care is good. But I'm always drawn to Matthew 22, Jesus' words around the greatest commandment shared to religious experts who asked him. Jesus replies, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second, love your neighbor as yourself. We must remember the neighbor bit as well as the yourself bit. Uh, the Bible Project, I really encourage you to get onto YouTube and have a look at the Bible Project. If you want a great little snippet of a book of the Bible or a theme, absolutely amazing. I've got a big book that's literally about this size, and it's all, the animated, all the books of the Bible are animated over two big pages. It's brilliant because I'm a visual uh, kind of person, and uh, it's, it's too big to be a coffee table book, but it's, it's a nice book. So I encourage you to look at that. Uh, there's a, a couple of minute clips, a clip about generosity. And it speaks about a party. If you imagine yourself going to a party where everything is provided for you, you go in, you have a wee look at the table and you go, yes, this is going to be a good party. I can see everything. There's going to be enough for everyone. It's great. And creation, in a sense, is an expression of God's love that he's the host, just like, you know, this is meant to be the party. And we're the guests. And we're to keep the party going. But the world isn't like that. There's scarcity, there's struggle, there's, there's, there's poverty. And Jesus himself grew up in that. But he didn't speak like that. He didn't focus on that. He says about the birds having enough. He says about wildflowers, don't stress. And he says, you should live like that. Jesus knew that things didn't always work out. But he viewed the world as scarcity, being not a lack of resource, but our lack of trust in God. And a mindset that we, if we know and love him, we are to take control of. That God can be trusted. God can be trusted. We see with Israel the same time and time again with battles and focuses on self. And then we see God give Jesus, his son, as the greatest gift who lives with the conviction that there is enough. Generosity flowed from Jesus, even towards his enemies. He spoke of a different story. He pointed towards the host of the party, even when it's hard. Jesus' death into life story is a story of generosity, that he is enough for you and he is enough for me this morning and we are to live like the party has begun the presence of God and the kingdom of God being here being near right now that there is opportunity everywhere an eternal lens that we trust in God the generous host so generosity is to be practiced through an eternal lens thirdly generosity is shaped by our faith if I was to, to look at our church planting story, we are five and a half years into Inverness Vineyard Church, and time and time again, generosity has marked our story. Being sent with, with money, being sent with families coming with us, and we as a church want to go and send out the same. We want to 
give out ahead of ourselves. As a church, we gave so much during 2020, uh, during when COVID hit. We gave so much in resources at the height of the pandemic when the easy, perhaps sensible thing was to batten down the hatches. But it, it didn't quite feel right. There was a city in need and we had some money to give away. In all sorts of ways we did that. In some amazing ways and some amazing stories. And when others flee the city in crisis, the church is to run towards the city in crisis. And God always, 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 in my experience, provides in those moments. And those moments mark us. Those moments shape us, don't they? They're formative. They build strength and resilience and trust in God that he will come through, that he is to be trusted, that he is good, that he is the ultimate in generosity. John 3 is a very interesting passage. I want to just very quickly go through uh, it with you. John the Baptist is baptizing folk, and they're asking them, what, what have they to do to be fruitful after they are baptized, after they have repented? And he gives three replies to three different groups of people. In verse 11, he says to the crowd, share clothes and food. In verse 12, he says to the tax collectors, don't make extra, just Make what you need to make. And in verse 14, he says to the soldiers, be content with what you have. You know, as I look at that question, that encounter, I think what John the Baptist is trying to say and what Jesus tries to say, there's to be stuff changing in how we fight stinginess if we believe and trust in Jesus. There's to be stuff changing in how we do generosity when we live for him, when we give him control of our lives. And that stuff should be shifting Attitudes and decisions, viewpoints and perspectives, planning and spending, our time, our money. It all comes under Jesus' ownership. It's no longer ours, it's his. And generosity is to be lived out. If we look at Zacchaeus, the story of Zacchaeus, an extreme example. We see somebody who collected money, who ended up giving away money. He's a collector to the giver. I want to ask us, are we seeing a transformation? Are we journeying? this theme of generosity in our lives? Or are we, do we feel a little bit stood still in it? I look at Joseph as well. I look at generosity when it doesn't make sense. In the Old Testament, his life absolutely stolen from him by his brothers, sold into slavery, and he finds himself back in front of the very people who wronged him as the ruler of Egypt. And his family stand in front of him. And what does he say? Chapter 45 of Genesis, verse 9. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and your grandchildren, your flocks and your herds and all you have. I will provide for you there. Because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But his faith in God meant an amazing journey in generosity. It's like a grace checkup. It's absolutely remarkable as I've, you know, dived into that passage again. And it's a journey for me as well as I've reflected on this. And as I joked about earlier... I've got to be honest, being a banker probably didn't help <laughs> in terms of generosity. But what I have seen and what in the, the examples when I have taken a little step 
out in faith is that uh, when I'm generous of my time, and you know, sometimes maybe it hasn't had the desired response, or when I'm generous with my money, when I'm generous with what God's put in me, I know stuff's forming inside of me. I know that God is, often it's not about the person that I'm giving to in that moment. It's about God forming and changing and shaping stuff in my heart. When it doesn't feel like it makes sense, when it won't be reciprocated, when it costs us. And I just feel, as George said to me, as he whispered to me in that Alpha course, that a spirit of stinginess is to be broken over, you know, our lives our, and churches and as we follow Jesus, that the church would be known for the opposite of that, that the church would be marked as a generous people. That I, and the picture I kind of seen was just like armies assembling in crisis moments across the city. And it wasn't that this was an Inverness Vineyard church thing. It was like the church. And it was like armies from all sorts of different churches and just going out into certain areas of need into emergency moments and the church like right let's call the army in and people just gathering up and then just being sent out sent out sent out that the church would be known for that responding to the needs of the city that when there's cries for help and all sorts of different ways it's the church that steps in and goes we're gonna we're gonna help we're here we're here for you we want to show you why we do this we want to show you the person who has marked us that shows you why we do this and then in that, as I just bring things to a close, generosity goes the extra mile. It goes the extra mile. We're a wee bit sad as a family because last week, Ant and Dex Saturday night takeaway stopped. It's the one program that we've all sat down to as a family. Our two eldest are eight and six, and it's been lovely. We get the popcorn and we sit and hot chocolate and we watch Ant and Dex Saturday night takeaway. And I... Yeah, our two eldest absolutely love it. And it's been so much fun. And we get the hot chocolates and we cozy in to watch it. And the last episode of the series, they have it in Florida, live in Florida. See, I'm selling it to you now. You're going to be watching it this afternoon. And they have all sorts of folk from the audience and the public who join in this last episode in Florida. And some of them are, have been invited because they have the most amazing stories where they've helped folk in need, where they've started food banks, where they've... Uh, created a youth club where they've uh, just helped people in need in their area. They've seen a need and they've met it. And sometimes with this moment, they go and tell them that they have a place in the plane. That was the phrase. You have a place on the plane. Our boys run around the house. You have a place in the plane, daddy. But they have a place in the plane to Florida for the last episode, which is amazing. But often they would say this phrase after that. That's not all. And most of them and at this moment, as usual, I'm tearing up. One person, for example, their dad was in Florida and not seen them for 15 years. And they said, you've got a place in the plane. But that's not all. He's here tonight. And they've flown him in and there's a moment and they embrace. That's not all. That's not all. And I just think in the battle to be salt and light, as people that show Jesus, that live like Jesus, to say no to stinginess, we're to be a that's not all kind of people. Let me explain. Go the extra mile. I've fixed your TV on the wall. Not only that, I've given you three months of Netflix. Yes, please. I've cooked your dinner. That's not all. I've not only cooked your dinner, but I've put a nice pudding in there and I've put a bottle of wine in there for you to enjoy because I know it's full on just now. 
or I've met you for a catch-up when you're struggling, but that's not all. You're coming to mine after church on Sunday, and we're going to have a roast dinner. That's not all. That's not all. I love Exodus 36. Have we read of that in your own time? We read of the building of the tabernacle, the space where the presence of God would dwell, and Moses asked the people to stop giving. Stop. Stop. What a, what a picture. It went, they went the extra mile and then some. Imagine that. Imagine that. That's not all. In the news this week was a story, I don't know if you've seen it on the BBC website, of a small vegetable patch which was ruined uh, when vandals poured salt over it and uh, everything that was grown died and they weren't able to capture it, get anything in terms of the food. And this vegetables that they were growing were for meals, for food banks and for people in need around the area. And it helped 1,600 people since September last year. Just remarkable. And the lady sharing it, it was just one lady in this vegetable patch. She shared it online. And she just said, I need some help. I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do. This uh, initiative has grown arms and legs. It's amazing the amount of people I've helped. But I don't know what to do. I don't know why anyone would do what they did. And a Just Giving page was set up. And the target was met very quickly. The target was exceeded super quickly. And there was a that's not all moment. 180,000 pounds was raised for this lady. And this was a tiny little allotment, which now is going to be registered as a charity and will bless many more because of generosity. I love that. What the many, enemy meant for evil is turned for good. Generosity that goes the extra mile. It responds with the extra mile. I wonder what opportunities lie ahead for each and every one of us this week to go the extra mile. And this stuff really excites me because it's kingdom stuff. It's the kind of thing that would shape communities and change cities. I firmly believe that, that that little moment around the table, church is half as thin as you. But let's show Jesus through our generosity. Do you all capture the bit of that? What One thing perhaps that we could do in our weeks, one thing, that's not all. I firmly believe that more folk would come to know the love of Jesus. I firmly believe that his church would be equipped to go and respond to needs in a far bigger, bigger scale. To fight building earthly treasures. Generosity is often shared in a whisper. I want to encourage you in your time with God. Just to listen. That little, more, little bit more carefully. What are you saying, Father? What are you whispering? What's the Lord inviting you into? Generosity is best practiced through an eternal lens. Play the long game. Don't be too reliant on this side of heaven. Lord, show us how to be salt and light to Inverness and the Highlands when it comes to generosity. That's my prayer. Let's look to the host and let's keep the party going. That's the very first sermon I've ended with, keep the party going. But I like it. But I like it. Let's stand.